Coming up next, please stay tuned for It Is Written, presented by Pastor John Bradshaw. This is It Is Written. I'm John Bradshaw. Thanks for joining me. Don't you just love it when you find a simple way of solving a big problem? Today, they call them lifestyle hacks. You're doing something around the house, but if you just do this little simple thing, there it is, you've got it fixed. Well, let's think about a serious problem, more serious than a clogged drain or or dust accumulating someplace. What if we were to talk about health problems? And what if you were to learn that there are simple ways to turn around to reverse seriously challenging health problems? We're going to talk about that today. And it's important we do so because the Bible says that our body is the temple of the Spirit. We were constructed to be an habitation for God himself. Well, my guest today is the president of Compass Health Consulting. His name is Dr. David DeRose. Dr. DeRose, welcome back to It Is Written. Thanks for joining me. Great to be with you, John. You've written a book called The Methuselah Factor. I'm going to guess Methuselah lived long. This is about living long. Why did you write the book? How did you perceive the need to be there? John, over the years, I've seen people dramatically change their lifestyles. And one of the amazing things to me is over the years, I've seen this connection between some of the progress I saw people make in their lives or not make if they refuse to make some of those simple changes and a connection with blood fluidity. So I was sensitized to this years ago by a a genius neuroscientist by the name of Dr. Burnell Baldwin. But just seeing it play out and then seeing the medical research say, you improve your blood fluidity, you're going to lower your risk of stroke. You improve your blood fluidity, your mind will work clearer. Just amazing connections. Now, my leaning is that the majority of us have never heard of a medical professional refer to blood fluidity. What's blood fluidity? Well, the technical term for it is hemorrheology. And basically, it's the science that looks at how blood flows through your blood vessels. So blood is a complex fluid. It's not just like water. It's got the liquid elements. It does have water in it, but it also has cellular elements, the red blood cells, the white blood cells. It has fats and clotting proteins. So it's a very complex fluid. And the science that studies how well that blood flows, particularly in the most constricted places, the little capillaries, is so important. Here's an amazing insight. You would never think of driving a vehicle into a passageway that is narrower than the width of your vehicle, would you? Sure. No, you wouldn't do that. But what's amazing is your red blood cells are about eight microns in diameter. Your smallest blood vessels are only three microns. In other words, the red blood cell is twice as wide as the smallest passageways. But that sounds like then the blood can't flow through those little That's what you would think. But the Creator designed our red blood cells to be able to fold over on themselves and squeeze through the blood vessels, provided those red blood cells were healthy. And so a lot of this has to do with the health of the blood cell, the health of the circulatory medium, the blood, and it makes a profound difference. So let me ask a very fundamental, very basic uh, foundational question. What does blood do? What are the things that blood does for uh, us human beings? Blood basically allows us to transport things through our bodies. It allows us to get oxygen to our tissues. It takes away the waste products like carbon dioxide and other byproducts of metabolism, brings them to the kidneys in the case of of urea, for example. 
brings the carbon dioxide to the lungs where it's exhaled. So the blood is moving all these things, and then it's transporting nutrients and micronutrients, fuels and enzymes. It is the medium by which life really is conducted. So it's clear to say then that if you compromise your circulation, you're compromising your health all the way around. I love what one author said, and this was not a, a highly schooled medical scientist, but expressed it this way, perfect health depends on perfect circulation. Scientists couldn't have described it better today. So how do we improve our circulation? Or how do we improve our blood fluidity? The book deals with this in, in great detail, but I'm just going to ask you, you can now sift through this entire book in a moment and uh, pull out for me a couple of ways that we can improve our circulation. And keeping in mind, this will improve our overall health and lengthen our lives. So it's important. Most definitely. So like you crystallized, John, I mean, it's a 30-day program. The last 30 chapters of the book walk people through simple tasks that help them optimize their blood fluidity. One of the recurring themes that you'll see in several sections is the whole topic of fats. But I hear, I don't believe, but I hear that fats are good. Fat doesn't make you fat. So what's your take on fats in the book? Well, here's the ironic thing. We do need fats. We need certain fats because we have to have certain essential fatty acids. Our body can't make them. So the ones we need would be? The ones we need and the ones that optimize circulatory health are fats generally that come from plant sources. Avocado. Great. Anything else? Nuts? Olives, nuts, seeds. Here's the interesting thing. Those animal fats generally are saturated. So the lard, the beef fat, the dairy fats, those saturated fats make membranes more rigid. And I mean, this isn't, you know, complex science. You, you ask someone, the butter that's sitting on your table at room, room temperature, has it just turned into liquid? No, it doesn't. No, it's still basically solid. It might right. be soft at room temperature. Sure, but it's a solid. But what about those plant fats? What about the uh, omega-3 fats? You got some flaxseed oil. That's going to be liquid. Right. Well, those fats that you eat actually become the fats that make up your cell membranes. So, so let me ask you this then. So you're using a lot of animal fats, and they become the membranes in your blood cells. Your blood cells, your other cells of your body, your neurons, your brain cells. So what does that do then if, if saturated fats start to compose your, the cells within your body? So one thing that happens to the red cell, going along with our earlier description, the red cell membrane, if you're eating more saturated fat, becomes more rigid. It's less able to squeeze through those tiny blood vessels, and your blood fluidity suffers. And so what happens then if you've got blood vessels that are not getting good blood flow through them? If your blood is not flowing well, your blood pressure will tend to go up. You'll have to exert more pressure. The heart will have to exert more pressure to get the blood to flow. So one of the consequences, high blood pressure. When those membranes get more rigid, insulin can't work as well. Insulin interacts with the cell membrane. When that happens, you become insulin resistant, setting the stage for diabetes, and that too worsens your blood fluidity. If you're looking for simple ways to address some of life's most challenging problems, you have found them today. We're talking about the Methuselah factor. We're gonna discuss caffeine. We'll talk about Botox, and we'll talk about forgiveness. All that and more straight ahead.
The same killer diseases which are taking the lives of millions and millions of people every year are taking the lives of Christian believers, even though God has told us plainly and clearly how we can avoid those diseases. Now, you want to avoid them, so make sure you get today's free offer, Healthcare God's Way, which I co-wrote with Dr. John Westerdahl. Get Healthcare God's Way. Call 1-800-253-3000. Write to the address on your screen. Make sure you visit iiwoffer.com. Thanks for joining me today on It Is Written. I'm John Bradshaw. My guest is Dr. David DeRose, and he has written a new book called The Methuselah Factor. Methuselah, who lived to be 969 years of age. Clearly, we're talking about longevity, but who simply wants to live longer in this world? We want to live forever. So we'll discuss that today. Dr. DeRose, in this book, you've got a 30-day program, a very simple 30-day program for people to follow. Uh, through which people will almost certainly improve their health. You talk about caffeine in here. I read where caffeine was referred to as the world's most widely used mind-altering drug. But from time to time, we hear about caffeine being a good thing for you. It's a positive. Drink more, you're going to be okay. Tell me about caffeine, how it reacts with the blood. Some really interesting things, John. One of the ways that caffeine works is it interferes with a compound in your body called adenosine. And adenosine has many helpful functions. It helps blood vessels relax. It helps your platelets become less sticky. Problem is, you block that, the platelets, the clotting cells, will become stickier. That impairs your blood fluidity. Your blood vessels will be less relaxed that will raise your blood pressure, also interfering with optimal blood flow. But more than that, adenosine interference, if you will, caused by caffeine, raises stress hormone levels. Now, a lot of people perceive that as good. You ramp up the stress hormones and you feel a surge of energy, just like you would if a lion showed up in your bedroom. Right, right, so that's good or bad? Well, actually, it's great if there really is a lion there. But when you're sitting behind the wheel of your car, raising those stress hormones is not going to help you. When you're sitting at the, at the desk, at the workplace, it's not going to help you. Here's the bigger concern, John, and you, you kind of alluded to this already, and that is caffeine also interferes with our willpower and our ability to change behaviors. Years ago, Dr. Burnell Baldwin told me and, and other uh, medical students with me that Caffeine was dubbed by the famous Russian scientist Pavlov as bad habit glue. And we're finding evidence today that that is really true. So why is it? Well, actually, I I think I know why. But why is it, in your opinion, that we continue to get bombarded with studies that say caffeine is good? Why? Let me tell you about a study we quoted in the book. This is a big study. Over 500,000 men and women here in the United States, they looked at them, they looked at their lifestyle habits, and when the research was published, the Associated Press and other newswires carried the headline, want to live longer, question mark? Drink coffee. Okay, see, this is the very thing I'm talking about. People who, you know, they they don't read medical literature, so they believe the headlines. Caffeine is profoundly bad for you. And yet here's, you said this was in the New England Journal of Medicine. Yes. Okay, tell me about the study. How did they possibly come to the conclusion? No, it was an amazing study. It actually really proved what Baldwin and Pavlov had said. Because what they did, let me just, let me read for you. Sure. Actually, what these researchers uh, 
said, I was shocked because I went to the New England Journal after I heard the, the headlines. I had not seen the study before it. And I start reading through it, and I'm just amazed because here's what the researchers wrote. They said, in age-adjusted analyses, coffee consumption was associated with increased mortality among both men and women. Well, wait, they said live longer, but this is exactly the opposite of that. It's exactly the opposite. I go, wait a minute. I'm, so I'm reading through the, the results and the discussion of the researchers. It says, drink more coffee, basically die sooner. I said, how did they, how did they come up with this headline? I start reading further, and they found that coffee consumption was associated with just about every bad habit that the researchers studied. I mean, here's the list. People were more likely to smoke cigarettes the more coffee they drank. They drank more than three alcoholic beverages a day. They were more likely to do that, more likely to eat more red meat, have lower educational attainments, neglect to engage in vigorous physical activity, and consume fewer fruits and vegetables. So it's exactly what you would predict if you'd say, if you want to take something to keep you in your bad habits, that's what the coffee was doing. We said, well, how did then did they come to that conclusion? Yes, I'd like to know how, how you can have all of that in the study, and they say you live longer if you drink it. Now, the researchers were not being dishonest. They, 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 they were, I mean, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt, John. They were saying, let's try to undo the effect of all the bad things that caffeine is associated with to just know what the coffee itself does. Now, I know this. I can see yeah. you're struggling How with it. How do you do be that? Be because there's all these advanced statistics that you can do. And at the end of the day, after they ran all these statistical uh, programs, they said, you know what? Yes. If you just look at the raw data, drink more coffee, you die sooner. When you correct for all the bad things that coffee is associated with, you actually live longer the more coffee you drink. So if you drink alcohol, but you account for taking out the road accidents and the cirrhosis of the liver and so forth, you may even be able to say, drink alcohol, live longer. You're, you're catching the fallacy of basically drawing a conclusion that's the opposite of what you really see in life. You have to be careful then, don't you? What does a person like me, what does a person like the average Joe do when you read about a study that says fat is good, caffeine makes you live longer, Red wine is good for the heart. Contrary to common sense and contrary to the Bible, how do we sift through that? Well, you know, John, you filtered it pretty good once you actually read what was in the study. And I you know, put it there in the book for you. So a lot of times it is just going back to the study, even if there's a lot of technical language. If you're just a thinking person, you can often pick up on gaps in the logic or... You can look at who sponsored the study. Right. Have you ever done that? Yes, I have. I've, uh, I've, I've done that. And when you connect the dots, it can be pretty stunning. Okay, in here you talk about forgiveness, uh, not merely as a biblical principle, but forgiveness as having a positive benefit to your health. Even, even it, it positively reacts with your, your blood fluidity, which is quite remarkable. How does it do that? Maybe we need to step back a minute because we've talked about stress hormones in relation to caffeine. We've got to talk about them again when we speak about forgiveness. But let me explain it this way. I mentioned a tiger in your midst. Sure, it would be great if there was a tiger here. Now, I know you've posed with these uh, you know, large felines. You, I, ha I have, and you can be sure that the stress hormones went right up. Now, this was useful because if somehow that cat got out of line and took a swipe at you, you'd want your blood to be more coagulable, wouldn't yes, you? Yes, you, oh, you bet I would. So, so this serves a useful function in a real life-or-death situation. But the problem is, most of us carry these stress hormones around with us like they're our friends. 
You know, we're going to hold this grudge. Every time I see that fellow in the workplace, I'm going to scowl at him because he got the position that I should have had, and, and it was because he circulated some malicious emails about me. But when we exercise forgiveness, that basically has the opposite effect on those stress hormones. I'll be back with more from Dr. DeRose in a moment, including Botox. What do you think we have to say about that? I'll have more straight ahead. Thank you for remembering that It Is Written exists because of the kindness of people just like you. To support this international life-changing ministry, please call us now at 800-253-3000. You can send your tax-deductible gift to the address on your screen, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Thank you for your prayers and for your financial support. Our number again is 800-253-3000, or you can visit us online at itiswritten.com. Hello, I'm Dr. David DeRose, a specialist in internal medicine and preventive medicine. And I've been surprised over the years in working with patients and studying the medical research literature just how powerful hemorrheology is when it comes to health. You may be wondering, what is hemorrheology? Well, I call it the Methuselah Factor, and that's the title of my book. The Methuselah Factor really helps you connect with things that can help your blood be more fluid. You say, why is that important? It's important because it can help you decrease your risk of a stroke or a heart attack, even lower your risk of cancer. But it's a whole lot more than just preventing killer diseases. If you improve your blood fluidity, your mind will work better, you'll perform physically better, and you'll decrease your risk of dementia. So don't hesitate. Dive into the Methuselah Factor. Make a difference in your life and the life of those that you love. Thanks for joining me today on It Is Written. I'm talking to Dr. David DeRose, who's written a phenomenal book. It's called The Methuselah Factor. Uh, David, it's not simply that it's a great book, but it deals with eternal principles. This is what I like, eternal principles. Blood fluidity. Take a moment to recap. What's blood fluidity? Basically, it's just trying to optimize circulatory flow, getting nourishment to all the tissues of your body, getting the wastes away from the, where they don't belong. And I notice in here, sometimes you've got to add a little. What about vitamins? What is it with multivitamins that they're not always so great? And what are the good ones you might want to add? I'm not an advocate of multivitamin, multimineral preparations. There's things in them that actually can increase our risk of cancer. That's the case of beta carotene in some of the research. There's things that can worsen our blood fluidity for many of us. If you're not iron deficient... Taking iron can not only worsen your blood fluidity, but in some of the research, maybe putting you at higher risk for Parkinson's and dementia. I think what people do is they say, well, this will cover all of the bases, but it covers some of the bases that don't need to be covered. No, I recommend that people take specific nutrients if they need them. And one that we commonly see people being deficient in is vitamin B12. Why are people deficient in that? Real, real interesting connections today. I mean, one is as we get older, we can have problems absorbing B12. But even more fascinating are connections with common medications. More and more people being put on the diabetes drug metformin, even before they have diabetes. It's a diabetes preventive drug, but metformin lowers vitamin B12 levels. Wouldn't you, before you take a diabetes prevention or preventive drug, 
certainly it's going to be said some people must have it. Aren't there other natural, more healthy things you can do? This was actually looked at by the Diabetes Prevention Program. They found as good as metformin was, it wasn't as powerful as just diet and exercise. Mm. Lose a little bit of weight, get more regular exercise, more powerful than even the best drug. So B12 does what if you add it into your diet? Well, I'll tell you the story of Armel. We, we share her story in the book, a 28-year-old woman from Africa having problems with tingling on her chest, her back, numbness in her arms and legs. She, uh, weakness in her hands and feet. No one could figure it out until they checked her B12 level. B12, very important for blood health, very important for nerve health, and if your B12 level is low, it will worsen your blood fluidity. I've heard people say, eat meat, eat dairy, that's where you get it. True or not true? That is really not the best strategy. As we look at overall health, those are not the winning foods. Um, many people, like Armel, have to take high-dose vitamin B12. She was taking 2,000 micrograms once she was diagnosed, only had it accessible orally there in Africa where she was living, couldn't get injections that I would give a patient like her, and within a month's time, symptoms dramatically improved. The worst part of it, she was taking a common drug that we use here in the States, a common drug family, an acid-blocking drug. If you've got reflux esophagitis, you know, heartburn problems, if you've got ulcer tendencies, and you're taking one of these pills, you're likely decreasing your B12 levels. You're impairing your absorption, and you're at high risk for B12 problems. Undoubtedly, and I'm sure you would agree, sometimes medication is absolutely essential, but until it is, man, you want to stay away from it as best you can, right? Yeah, and especially these over-the-counter things. I mean, people can get so many things over-the-counter. Don't self-medicate is my message. Okay, I've said a couple of times that we're going to talk about Botox. Now, you mentioned Botox in the Methuselah factor. Uh, by now, I think we're familiar with what Botox is. You get the Botox injections, the wrinkles miraculously disappear. Explain what it is, why and how it does what it does, and then tell us what the book says about Botox. During the course of the 30-day program, optimizing circulation, optimizing the Methuselah factor, my synonym for blood fluidity, we have a section dealing with stress. And when we get to a section where we talk about harnessing your stressors, we talk about the power of smiling in the face of stressors. Actual research shows that if you smile in a stressful situation, it lowers your stress hormones. I'm trying not to smile, just talking about smiling and seeing your smile is making me smile. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But now here's the amazing part. Yeah. If you go and get those Botox injections and they inject your smiling muscles, like the uh, muscles here by your eyes that cause the so-called crow's feet. Sure. Inject those with Botox. It affects your ability to fully smile, right. and you will tend to be more depressed. Oh, is that so? But here's what's interesting. If they give you the Botox injections in muscles that are used to frown, your mood will tend to come up. So that's not such a bad thing. Not such a bad thing. Basically, your facial expression has a reflex action on your brain. So, so that means that you can coach yourself to be more positive simply through the actions you choose to commit. You know, the Bible talks about being more joyful, and the Bible talks about praise. Think about those connections, John, and how powerful that is. In here now, the Methuselah factor, it's not simply a book of medical advice. Uh, because 
what you do is you connect a person with God and the power of God. Seek spirituality, you say. Now, spirituality can be practically anything. What are you really saying? Really, you and I know the most powerful spiritual connection is with our Creator. But, John, I wrote this book to take people right where they were at. And I'm happy for someone just to start reflecting more on what's really important to them, to start thinking about the bigger picture. Because I realize that just like Paul said in Romans 1, that everyone, if they really stop and look at it, will see evidence of a loving Creator. How have you seen faith in God react upon a person's health? It's amazing. I see it react in two primary ways. One, it helps us reperceive everything. When we realize that we're the child of the King, it just changes the whole outlook of life. But more than that, when I realize that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and I start caring for myself differently, I can have a more vital, more vibrant communion with my loving Savior. Best way for a person to connect with God, someone saying, you know what, I've got to do something about my health and I've got to do something about my relationship with God. Where do you recommend that person begin? I recommend you take time to just be with the Creator. I love reading the Bible, taking time in meditation and prayer about those great themes in Scripture. Mm -hmm. You talk about forgiveness in the book. How does a person begin to exercise that? We actually go through steps to forgiveness. We remind people it's a process, and I think there's no better model for forgiveness than our Savior as He was there at Calvary. And one other thing I, I find really fascinating, be humble is something you say in here. Talk about that for a moment. You know, our culture today, we're so focused on our rights and what's important for me and defining my turf and protecting it that we've forgotten the value of humility. So many times in the Bible, it calls us back to be humble, to be meek, to be submissive. The Methuselah factor. Methuselah was somebody who in the Bible lived to be 969 years of age. And yet if you adopt the principles of the Methuselah factor, You live far longer than Methuselah. You can live forever. The same killer diseases which are taking the lives of millions and millions of people every year are taking the lives of Christian believers, even though God has told us plainly and clearly how we can avoid those diseases. Now, you want to avoid them, so make sure you get today's free offer, Healthcare God's Way, which I co-wrote with Dr. John Westerdahl. Get Healthcare God's Way. Call 1-800-253-3000. Write to the address on your screen. Make sure you visit iiwoffer.com. Dr. David DeRose, thanks for joining us. It's been a blessing. Thank you. One question I didn't ask you, where can we get a copy of The Methuselah Factor? Well, most people get the book either from our website, compasshealth.net, or from Amazon. And you can also get the book at itiswritten.com. Let's pray together now. Our Father in heaven, we've been blessed as we have discovered again that as our Creator, you care about our life in this world. You want the very best for us. We can improve our health as we cooperate with those very simple yet effective, powerful principles you've given to us. And friend, God wants you to live forever. If you've been far from God, come home. If you've been blocking God out of your life, open up your heart to Him. If you've not been experiencing His forgiveness and His presence, open your heart to Him now and invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Lord, would you be that for us and keep us and bless us and grant us a closer walk with you than we've ever had. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to seeing you again next time. Until then, please do remember, 
It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You've been listening to It Is Written, presented by Pastor John Bradshaw. We hope you have been blessed and that your faith in God has been renewed. Join us again next week at the same time on this station for It Is Written with John Bradshaw. This program was produced by It Is Written, all rights reserved. It Is Written is a faith-based ministry. Thank you for your letters and continued support. For more information, please visit our website, itiswritten.com. It Is Written.